Welcome to episode 904 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Rightio, team, welcome along to episode 904 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. He's saying he, he biked up because it's meant to be raining. I drove up because it was meant to oh, be sorry. raining. Oh, <laughs> sorry. And actually, um, I'll do a bit of content stealing straight away on the show because it was something funny on the radio. There's a radio station in New Zealand, 91, they have a really, really good morning crew. Who are um, they? Fletch, Vaughan and Hayley. Okay. They are really funny. Do, like, you, do you listen to them? Uh, Belinda listens to them religiously. Oh, yeah, really? yeah. Because uh, who listens to radio nowadays? Yeah, well, they do, they podcast all this stuff out, okay. and uh, they're very funny. Um, and just must be hard. Like every morning, yeah, they're up for it. Yeah, and yeah, it's very good. They were telling us they had people calling in, not yeah, calling in about losing losing like limbs or losing oh, fingers sure, okay. and stuff. Yeah. And they had a few people, you know, lost it in a concrete mixer. I lost it, body, you know, sort of things you'd expect, water skiing and so on. But then the last one, some, uh, I'm not sure if it was the wife or the husband emailed in. We were getting a bit intimate and uh, and my husband put his fingers in my mouth and I gagged and she oh, bit the ends off two of his really? fingers. Was a, that's a good story oh, to have. There's two sides of that. Are, a, losing your fingers. Imagine having your husband's fingers in your mouth. <laughs> So that was a goodie. Yeah. Years ago, when my uncle. Went, <laughs> I was like, where, where are you going with this? Hopefully, your t- topic no, changed. My uncle, his best mate, worked at a printing press and he put his boom boom mm-hmm. and he lost all his fingers below his knuckles. Oh, yeah. And, and the thing about it was so sharp, he didn't actually know he'd done it at first. It wasn't oh, until he yeah. saw his hands. Yeah. And then, yeah, and he lost forever. Like, he couldn't get yeah. back on. Yeah. Anyway, I'm talking happily brought to you by Angus, the wild bull boyd. We've got Scott, the sleek chic Sheridan. And Jonathan, the lumberjack woodman. And this week's show, we've got some news. We've got a hot topic of the week. We've got a pro of the week. We've got a quiz question. Coach's Corner, Bevan's Five Minutes of Glory. Given that new name. That's what Joe calls it. Uh, and then Wanger of the Week question and answer. Your endurance the athlete, five minutes. <laughs> it's a big session. Anyway, uh, let's go straight to the news. So we had a few short course races happen over the weekend. And what happened, John? We had Challenge Silenaeus, uh, probably pronounced that wrong, Silver Tier Race. Um, Mark Dubrook took out the boys' race, first win, uh, and he did it on the run. He's a really good swimmer and a good runner. And to beat Jackson Laundry, uh, you are not not mucking around, so good on him. And Elizabeth Bravo took that out and the females, so that's a challenge season ended up. We'll maybe have a look at who were the series winners because challenge do a bonus pool, maybe do that next week and look at the PTO yep. rankings and stuff. Uh, we had a 70.3 in Topo, uh, um, one and oh no, we've got a one and only pro 70.3 race in New Zealand. Uh, Hannah Berry raced really oh, well. 70.3, not a pro. Well, because they have they do it on the same day as Ironman, so they have a pro, so they have a yeah, pro okay. race. Hannah Berry well, beat out Lottie Wilms and Rebecca Clark, and I've got to say, quite convincingly too. Yeah, but Lottie Wilms um, is—I'm pretty sure she has been racing the house down. Yeah, she has. So she did top all seventy point three. She did Western Australia the uh, Ironman the weekend before, uh, and then two or three weeks before that, she did seventy point three Melbourne. So she's racing up a storm. 
um, and Rebecca Clark got third. Uh, on the boys' side, it was a close race, really close race. Um, Carl Smith took it out, so really good for him. He's he has a bit of a rough road, old Carl Smith. He's, he shows some awesome mm. racing performances, and then he seems to fall to pieces with health problems or just not getting it Still together. Still young. He's only 26. Mm. It's young, but it's not. Yeah, but young. like his best years are in front of him. Yeah. Um, and he was uh, going head to head with a guy called Kurt McDonald, who I've never heard of before, for a good two thirds to three quarters of the run and then managed to pull away. Um, but Jack Moody came storming through, through with a 110 marathon um, uh, and just sprinted in for second place by two seconds. Uh, so Kurt McDonald, never heard of him. I think he must be, he is Australian. Australian. He was third out of the swim, had the second fastest bike, came off with uh, Kyle Smith. He got third in Linkawi. He's, 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 he's been yeah. racing for a couple of years. Just haven't really, he got second in Canberra a couple of weeks ago in the challenge race to um, good old Daniel Beckengard. So just a name I haven't really heard of much before. Brent uh, Curry and Mike Phillips and some of the other names that didn't really perform. We had uh, um, Gomez. DNF'd or, or yeah, so um, Braden Curry, I think he was going to try to burgle, and I think he got it. Uh, just a seventy point three slot. It doesn't sound like he's in absolute rocket form that he sometimes is in, but he got the seventy point three slot for the world champs next year, so he'll be happy about that. It was interesting. I heard an interview from him the other day, um, and he, he's talking about the twilight of his career. You mm. know, you know, he's talking about you know, like next seventy point three will be his last chance to the world champs. He's obviously probably going to try peak for it. He mm. is thirty seven. Yeah, I think his 70.3 winning days at like World Champs are, are probably beyond him, but he's still, I think he's still got a good Ironman in him. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Mike Phillips, I'm not sure what was going on there, but he just had a pretty, pretty blind. He's been up and day. down over the last few years, isn't he? Oh, Mike, yeah, Mike's, um, yeah, he, he has been a bit up and down, but I think he won Ironman New Zealand last year, I think, or yep. the start of this year. Um, and, but he, <laughs> luckily, he just beat out the current world Ultraman champion, Simon Cochran. That would have been a bit of a down trail for him if he'd, uh, Simon Cochran had taken him down. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, yeah, good good racing there at uh, 70.3. And then Bahrain. Oh, yeah, and Gomez, Gomez was racing. He was leading out of the swim, uh, then got a drafting penalty on the bike. He says, oh, I don't agree with the drafting penalty. And I always have the opinion, if you get a drafting penalty, you're probably drafting. Yep. And, uh, and he just No one who's ever got one was actually drafting. No. It's like in jail. No one's done the crime. No. Yeah. Uh, and then the final race we had the day before, which was a gold tier race, um, was a 70.3 Bahrain. And what we were hoping to see there was Alistair Brownlee um, you know, roughing up the short course boys who were talking the smack. Um, but unfortunately, he got a puncher on the bike. And whilst he was, I'm pretty sure he was still with the leaders. He was right up there after the swim. Let's have a quick look where he was. Uh, yeah, he was eighth out of the swim, but he was with the lead guys, and I think he was with them on the the bike as well. I'm not 100 percent sure on that, but that's a shame. So the short, short course boys did show everybody up, but there wasn't any real top long course dudes there. We had Martin Van Riel take out the boys' race um, with a really good run. Henry Schumann, and he broke away on the bike. Uh, Henry Schumann was second, and Max Stapley was third. Schumann, what's happened of his career? Uh yeah, he had this one year where he was just awesome. Yeah. Um, and then he had a few few challenges. Commonwealth Games, he won Commonwealth Games, didn't he? Yeah, and he yeah. crushed that race. And that was a good field. Yeah, and then he got third at the uh, Rio Olympics. Um, so yeah, bit, bit up and down. Um, and still since then, hanging in there. Does he still do Olympic distance? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And what top ten? Uh, yeah, he's sort of there or thereabouts. Yep. It just he's not his run isn't probably quite where it used to be. Um, and he's thirty two now. 
Um, so yeah, I think he's definitely in his twilight. I imagine he'll try to get through to the Olympics yep. for Paris, um, and then I'd imagine he'll probably do a bit more long course stuff. So he's dabbled in a bit of long course. Uh, he got second here. Uh, he did the PTO Canadian Open last year. Pre-COVID, he did a few 70.3s. So, yeah, sort of in 2018, he won Abu Dhabi. Yeah, on his day, he was awesome. Yeah, yeah, totally. 20, was, 2016. It's it amazing, he didn't, you know, like he was kind of one of the upcoming names. Like mm. that guy from Australia. Um, Jack Burt Whistle. Yeah. Yeah, he's really faded a, a big time. Because there was a moment where like Schumann, Burt Whistle, they were like mm. the next ones coming through. Mm. And it's kind of like we skipped them and then we went to like Hayden and... Yeah, no, Burt Whistle was, um, he was a weapon runner, yeah, so yeah. I really don't quite know. Uh, but he had a really good 70.3 earlier this year in Tasmania and we took that out. So yeah, I think we'll see the next batch of 70.3 athletes coming through after the Olympics and then they'll come along and crush Ironman like I always say. Yep, and do. they never do. <laughs> uh, okay, so we also have, oh, that's pretty that much it. it for the year. So yeah. 2023's racing's done, mm. other than some local race that you may know of, but the big stuff's done. Yep, we've got a race down here. We've got the Pack and Save Triathlon Festival this weekend. Oh, um, what, who's, what, what's the distance? It is. Are you doing sprint, your triple? Uh, no, I'm not. And I actually looked at that the other day. I, I used to run a double super sprint. Yeah. You know, I was well before super leagues. Oh, so. mate, they copied you. That was 2012, and I, I had uh, TV coverage that year, and uh, yeah, we did a double super sprint triathlon. We had a good field, and I, it was also a handicap race, so that I gave right. the females. That's right, yeah. And I think you might have even been commentating on that one. I um, think I was, yeah. Yeah, Andrea raced it, didn't she? She did one year, but the, the year we got it covered, Nikki Samuels um, won the females, and she was second overall, so going into the final run, she had a good lead, but she got caught probably with maybe 500 metres to go by a French dude. Mm. Um, and so she, he was first and she was second. So Why did you move me. away from it? Um, venue, we changed venues to start with. Uh, at the moment, I can't, can't attract a big enough field, but I was thinking about it this morning, thinking I might try to resurrect it next year because yeah. it was really cool. It was it. interesting, eh? Because it was like, because of the handicap, and you seem to get the handicap about right. You can mm. never get that. It's not an exact science. But you kind of were watching this race play out in front of you where anything could kind of happen. Mm. So it was a cool, a cool format. Um, but yeah, the numbers these days, like just in terms of my revenue, sponsorship is massively down. And I was looking at my numbers compared to back then. Like, uh, you know, uh, for example, this weekend, we might get almost towards 300 across yep. all events of this race. Back then I was getting close to 500. Oh, wow. Um, so it's so a, is that it's reflection of the sport at the yeah, moment? Yeah, definitely. And I was talking to the Holy Hammer at the weekend. He did, uh, and I had mentioned this last week, he did run Topol bike race. Um, back in the day, they used to get like 14,000 yeah, people huge. doing it. Yeah. Uh, he said this year was like 3,000 or something. Oh, really? So it's still big. But, but there's you know, no, that's a massive mm. drop. And we see, I think we're just consistently seeing that around the world. You know, a lot of Ironman races are, um, they're not selling out. Um, but it's still, it's still so the, what's sport's, the, problem? the sport's still in a good, healthy place. But is it's it, just, is it, but is it if, if you're losing, you know, you've lost nearly, mm. let's say, a third of your field at least. Mm. Um, and it's, it seems to be a trend we're seeing, you know, a lot of the UK Ironman races are disappearing. Mm -hmm. um, there does seem to be a trend that things are. I think we just need to, the next couple of years will be telling um, because my numbers are bouncing back this year. Okay. Um, but they're not bouncing back to, to where they were sort of in the early, you know, 2010s to 2015. Um, so Do you the think the community, as an overall rule, you know, because you're on the ground, is, and I know there's like triathlon club, but you also get a feel for how many people are doing the sport. Mm. Locally, is it a smaller community? Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's, that's in our little local community, but New Zealand wide, um, definitely down. But if you look at Great Britain, I know their numbers are probably dropping, but 
it's pretty healthy. So I think the sport's in a nice, healthy place, but it's certainly not growing. Um, and everything you read, most places is declining, but it's not diabolical. Why? Um, I don't know. Oh, cost I is d- obviously a big thing. Um, well, you know, because like, mm. it's been really interesting, some of the discussions you've been having. I was at the, the gym this morning um, and talking to a guy who who's a lawyer, young mm. lawyer, but he's probably mid thirty, so he's probably kind of stage two or three in his career. Mm. Probably it's pretty good money, and he's just saying, "I said you go and go for it." I said, "No, nah, money, money's really tight. Can't afford to this year." Mm. You know, so he's having a break, but he's not having a holiday. And and I think the you know interest rates, yeah, you know the the that hobby thing that's a bit more expensive. Mm. You're now looking at it, going, oh, maybe now's not the time. Mm. I'd love to know if that is the case. Because triathlon just, is to set up as an expensive hobby. If it's just a cyclical thing, you know, triathlon was nice, shiny product sort of in the, you know, the mid-2000s. We, in New Zealand, for example, we had stars that were performing and so it was getting a lot of media attention. We had things like women's series and it was just, just everything was on a boom. Um, and I don't know what people are doing now, whether they've gone off and they're, I don't know, whether they're doing marathon running, whether they're just not as active as they used to be. I'm not quite sure. Yeah, and also, you know, now... I'm going to sound like the old guy here, but when we look at the next generation of kids, um, one of the concerns is that the devices and gaming and all this kind of stuff means that they're not so active. And I'm sure there's percentages, but I think if we go percentages of kids moving less, Mm. it's probably more than the past. I I would have thought I'd agree with that. Now, I'm not in the world, so Mm. this is really an assumption. It's not really based on any evidence. but um, And if that's the case then the flow on to sport in general is probably a lesser thing. And there's just so many other sports out there. Yeah. Back in the day, a lot less selection. Now you go play basketball, you do hip-hop, you do mountain biking. There's just so much choice. In saying that, triathlon's never really been a kid's sport. You know, like I know you might have the local kids club, but how many have you got in that? Um... 30 to 40. Yeah, so yeah. when we think of rugby in Christchurch, mm. thousands of kids play rugby mm. uh, or basketball. You know, so like if you say in Christchurch, there's 30 to 40 kids. Triathlon's a sport you kind of pick up in your late, t- or probably mm. in your 20s. You know, unless you're an elite kid. It's people who have been swim kids, mm. maybe even cycling's not a really big young person sport, is it? No. Cycle no. racing. So it tends to be a sport that you kind of pick up after 18. Yeah. And in your 40s often. Yeah, well. yeah, it's often a later mm. person's sport. So, mm, and it's, like, it's a really interesting discussion because I think maybe the other discussion is what does our sport need to do more of to captivate a bigger audience participating mm. in the sport? Mm. Um, yeah, interesting. I stuff. think, a, yeah, we'll maybe wrap this up now, but I think maybe everything's now sort of 70.3 and Ironman. That's where everybody's sort of focuses in terms of from a local level, you know, um, and that just probably seems a lot harder for a lot of people to get their head around. Mm. Whereas when things were at their peak for me in terms of local events, people were doing sprints Olympics and that was that was great, you know, and they were, you know, a lot less time commitment. You just wangle your way through it. Whereas now everybody seems to be focused on half Ironman and Ironman and to the detriment perhaps to the numbers in our sport. And I've got to be honest, I could afford to do triathlon right now, mm. but I'm not set up mm. and it would put me off. Because, mm. you know, you, you're probably mm. looking at at least 10K to set myself up. Yeah, well... It depends how far you want to take it, but yeah, to get well set up. Well, I think we've had that discussion yeah, quite a but few times. Like for me, would I, uh, 10k is a lot of money to throw at mm. a hobby, mm. you know. Like, um, and I've and I've got the money. Like, mm. you know, I could afford to do it, but it would be, 
you know, yeah, just interesting stuff. Okay, uh, let's get into this week's discussion. So what triathlon product slash experience would you like for Christmas? People don't want much for Christmas. They don't. I thought we were going to get lots of comments. I thought no. people go, oh, I want a new uh, bike computer. I want a new set of uh, power pedals. I want this. But anyway, there was a couple of really good ones in there that I quite enjoy. John Weir's got a good one. He's got, I would like a new challenge race in the US. So that would be cool to do. I think there's, there's a couple of challenge races popping up in, in the States um, and, and in North America. So go go check out Challenge Family, John. Yep. Uh, oh, there we go. Um, Michaela Kelly, a bike computer and a Phoenix S7 Solar. Hope Santa follows this page or okay. a partner or family member would be good we as well, maybe, I imagine. Maybe tag them in it. Uh, Scott Horn's got training wink at Club El Santa. Club La Santa. Probably that? that's in um, I thought Santa was as in like Santa Claus yeah no that's in Lanzarote oh. um, this is I thought this probably takes the t- cake this one Steve Sutherland a fantasy camp okay here we go imagine if you just you just, you just go, go, to the, go to the airport and you're going somewhere for, for a week long camp and maybe a race at the end you don't know where you're going so a bit like the old mystery tours mystery, oh, mystery it holidays be, it would be so cool uh, I was just, just trying to think with venues that I'd love to go to if we were going from New Zealand I probably wouldn't want to go to Europe but so many cool places in Asia to go I'd love to go back to Phuket and maybe check out Tanyapura and do that race again um, if you're in Europe God there's so many different places I've never been to Lanzarote or some of the places sort of where you know Tour de France type areas in, in uh, France or Italy there's so many different places um, Corsica love to go there but it'd be cool to get on a plane and go I don't know what I'm doing for the next week I'm going somewhere there's going to be a race at the end and I'm going to do lots of cool stuff building up that would be cool sounds pretty cool Christy McKinley's got a new bike that is compatible for my profile design carbon wheels for disc brakes uh, that she won for being a patron of the show then I'll be a less of a granny descending at the Queenstown camp oh and also the bike fitness I had for Pyrenees my Epic camp back in 2019. It's been about a while since. So Chrissy's talking about a camp we're doing in New Zealand, which is down in Queenstown in April. Um, we're doing the Triple Peaks. Got plenty of spaces available if you're keen to come and find out. Could do the three biggest mountain passes in New Zealand, basically. Um, this one I thought also was, this encouraged my investigation a little bit. Dean Goff said, CG's arm pads for my aero bars. Sometimes it's the simple things. So I thought, what the hell is CG's... Uh, are they almost like pads that help you have a softer landing on your aero bars? Yeah, they are. So um, that's pretty much it. But then I started delving deeper. So, you know, your pads on your aero bars, some, often they're, they're a bit crappy, the ones you get with the Oh, the so I was actually, I actually think they were kind of like um, sleeves. No, it's like literally replacing the little pads where your elbows um, or your, okay. your the back of your forearms go. So this company, CG's, um, makes them. But they had this other thing that they're about to discontinue that I thought was fascinating and I've never seen before. Uh, I've just got to pull it up. So if you, they're selling them for dirt cheap, uh, the Aero Bottle. So it's called CG's.com. Aero Bottle, 60% off. I don't know if this is a good product or, or not, but the idea is kind of cool. Is you basically got a bottle which, you know, go, old school kind of bottle that goes between your Aero Bars. Yep, but it's new. got two compartments in it. So it's got one for water and one for sports strength, which oh. I thought was quite ingenious. So then you don't have to be, you know, you can be refilling it up. It's got the old, um, you know, you get the old hose coming out of it and you can choose whether you want to chug away on a bit of water or a bit of sports strength. Never seen it before, but when you think about it, it's a great idea. Well, no, it turns out it's not John. It's, yeah, it turns out nobody buys them. So if you want to get them, go on there. It's $15.99 for one of these bottles. It fits between your aero bars. And so, so they obviously designed these to fit with profile designed aero bars because they've got yeah. the different designs. And so they're more cushioned, obviously. Yeah. 
Well, I think, and it just sounds like they might last a little bit longer as well. Okay, there you go. Well, there you go. So, That's a good product for them. Uh, Ty, uh, Grant Tyrell has got uh, Powerball, so I can train instead of working. It would be nice to win Powerball, wouldn't it? It would be. Somebody yeah. won 8.2 million the other day this nice. week. Uh, quite a few people saying entries for races. Mark Sissons, a local fella, says a new bike seat and a windbreaker top. Loan mine to a mate and didn't come back. Uh, as for the seat, will be eight years time since I've had a new one. So bike seats are bloody tricky and they're expensive and everybody's different. You know, I've got an ISM, which I which I like. Other people can't stand an ISM. Is it the one where you've got the gap between it? Yeah, yeah and it's just so personalised, it's a really tricky purchase. And the problem is, you don't know until you buy. No. And you can't, you can't, you often can't replace them. Not normally, not unless, it's one of those things where you've, Buy, if you buy buy local, they might let you have a little try. Um, yeah. I know it's at one shop, I think one shop in Christchurch that had sort of a, a bit of a fleet of seats. A but fleet of seats. That's, that's the optimal. Is try, to, try your local bike shop. Encourage them to do that because I think it would be a really good selling point. Good old Steve Diodonis got a better knee and uh, Steve Goff, Dean Goff's got the same thing. Mate, I just got one last week. You should come see yeah, me. Yeah, you've got a fancy bloody pad on your uh, yeah. knee there. Yeah. Uh, last one I'll do, Nikki Sweetman, another local lady, just clothing, which I bought for myself already for my family to give to me. I had that moment yesterday. I said to Belinda, right, are we, are we okay with presents at the moment in terms of me getting her stuff because I haven't got much yeah. and... Wait, so you're saying, do I need to buy more? Yes. Okay. I was just checking. We don't want any disappointment on Christmas Day, and we're, we're okay. See, Joe doesn't want me to buy anything. Yeah, that blunder's pretty much in the same boat. She'd rather yeah. have some stuff to buy on the Boxing Day sales, some okay. money, than yeah. anything. I did notice there's still only one present under your tree. Yeah, we haven't done our shopping yet. Yeah. We'll, we'll still probably do it, because I'm off work now, so I'll probably do it in the next few days. Uh, I'll finish shop with good old Philip, uh, Philippe van der Lue. He's got got into the Kelpman X try for June 24 in Scotland and would like a return EFS from South Africa accommodation and support crew. I'm not asking too much. I think what you also need is make sure you get like a thermal wetsuit and a uh, neoprene helmet and gloves and socks for that race because the swim sounds chilly. It does indeed. Okay, this week. Oh, John B., what would you want? Um, uh, what did I want? I I would love to do some wind tunnel testing or some really high. Have you form. ever done it? No, no. Um, we don't have any facilities in Christchurch. I don't even. I don't even think we have any in New Zealand. Um, there's probably scope where if you're. You know, Hayden Wild, there might be somewhere they can manufacture something, but I don't really know of anything. Could be wrong. Um, so I'd love to do some sort of wind, wind tunnel testing or some guru to do um, some really high-tech aero testing and really optimise position and potentially any other gear as well. Um, the other thing I'd like to try with is those swim power paddles. Don't know if they'd be of any use. What do you mean? Oh, there's a new new product out. It goes. It's like a strap that goes around your hand, yeah. and then it will measure your your power in the swim. Um, I haven't really oh, invest, okay. haven't really investigated them at all uh, as to what they like. I like my form goggles. I like having that data in front of me. Um, so I may like them. I may not. Um, Do you think it'll feel weird? Oh, you'd, get, you'd, get used to, you'd get used to it pretty quickly. I wonder if it influences your finger gap. No, it sort of goes around. Oh, From, great podcasting. Sort of goes across your palm. Okay. Um, so be, I'd just be interested to try that. Um, if you are looking for a cheap gift s- suggestion, mine would be um, there's a company called Rule 28 and they do lots of aero products. And you can get aero um, calf sleeves and they're, they're, the material is really important. They do a great aero calf sleeve and they're really inexpensive, like a stocking filler type price. Nice. What do I want, John? If I were to get the triathlon-related Christmas, Chris. Any watch or anything like that? 
I've got a... No, mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't really. I use my watch for basic sports stuff. I'm not that mm -hmm. anal about that kind of stuff. Um, if triathlon related, do you know what? I hope to get back to running soon. Carbon shoes for you. No, I was for oh for running. Yeah, no, I'd probably just enter a triathlon race. There you go. Next year, but I, I won't. Yeah, I think I want to do a running race. Mm -hmm. But maybe carbon shoes. There you go, carbon shoes. There's another gift idea. Get somebody an entry into your local your local triathlon, just a sprint or a duathlon. Well, or even like, like do that. a family event. Mm. You know, do a teams event with someone. Mm. You know, if, if your partner, mm -hmm. um, that's a really cool idea as well. Oh, there you go, Aero sleeves, stocking fella, John. The Aero sleeves, they're only like 50 bucks or something like that, aren't they? 74 US. Uh, Your stockings must be pretty good. I want a stocking from They John. must have gone up in price because we got some last year and they're a little bit cheaper than that. Okay. There we go. So there we go. Uh, okay, then uh, this week's quiz question. Uh, where did I go? Wait a second. Was your, uh, we no, had two. Sorry, this week's discussion. This week's discussion. Okay, John had one, but you've been doing a lot of equipment stuff recently, so I thought we needed something different. So I'll explain why mine came up and we don't need to use it. But I said, what is the strangest looking equipment you have seen athletes use in order to be faster? And the reason I came up with that, I saw a picture of Javier Gomez at Topol 70.3, um, and he had the aero bottle down the front, which they've all got. They just look so stupid. It makes you, you look like a fat bastard. The one with its... Um, they just shove a bottle down their front or a um, like a camelback type thing, yep. and it's it's a fairing, and it gives you... It's, a, it's a definite... You know, everyone's seen the research. No, everyone. A lot of people have seen the research. It's a definite aero gain, so I understand why you do it, but you just look stupid. Now, when you're doing it, is it strapped on? How does it work? No, you've got to shove it down your front. So you're so just putting your top down... Yeah, it's just make, basically making your big belly. annoying? Um, well, I haven't tried it, but... It just looks stupid. So cool. I think that's the one thing I'd like to get rid of. Okay, well, well, I've gone with, in 10 years from now, it will be the three triathlon-related things that will be remembered from 2023. There's one really obvious one. Obvious. Okay, we'll talk about this next week. No, right? well, we'll say it now, because you're... You, obvious. What's the biggest thing we'll remember from 2023? Most obvious thing. Is it Chardia getting busted? Or was that this year? Well, that's pretty big. That's not yeah. it. We don't, no, okay, you can't. Mean, okay. mean and niece. Oh, yeah, 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 moving, yeah, yeah. It, 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 that's that probably is. the most significant one. Definitely. But on top of that, although some people will put that in there already, uh, what are the three triathlon-related things that will be remembered? 20, and I probably should have put one, because if we go back to 2013, mm -hmm. what can we remember from then? Well, that would have been post-London Olympics, which is always a bit of a downer. So that would have been uh, Gomez doing IMAT? Did he do IMAT? Uh, no, I reckon he was probably after Rio that he did Ironman. So, yeah. I'd say almost five years might be a slightly better yeah. angle. 2013? Uh, we must have been... I would have been starting... Was that, was that Woman in Triathlon? It would have been... About, yeah, the 50, 50 Women for Triathlon. Yeah, it was the year time. before. It was when I started my build-up for my 2014 Ironman That's right. Hawaii. That's right. You did a big uh, series on that, didn't big, you? Yeah. So yeah, Bob Post and all, didn't you? Oh, went, went crazy. You went crazy on that, crazy. didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> cray, cray. So maybe it'd be nothing, but it is a good question to think about. Okay, John's quiz question. I, I had a question here, but then once I did the research to answer it, I'm almost positive we've done this before, okay. but I'll just quickly mention it. Um, my original one was, when and where was the first Iron Man in the UK? So oh. we'll answer that later on, but I'll be brief because I'm sure we've done it before. Yep. So that was question one. Question two what is the name of the first female winner of the Hawaii Ironman? And for a bonus point, what year was it? I think I can get this. Okay, let's go into Pro, pro of the week. week. Anne Reichman. 
I basically scrolled down the woman's pro uh, rankings and just sort of found the first person that I didn't really know too much about. Um, and often that's going to be uh, a, somebody from a non-English speaking country. And that was the case here. It's Anne Reichman. Um, another reason why you don't know some athletes is because if they're crappy swimmers and good bike runners yeah. and they're not winning, you often don't, don't even see yeah, them. Course, don't register. Yeah. So Anne Reichman kind of falls into that bracket. Her swim ranking is... 101st, uh, her bike ranking is a weapon of number 6 and her run ranking is number 19 so her total ranking on the PTO is number 23 she's 31 years of age, she's from Germany and one thing when I did this, we were going to use this last week PTO, if you're listening you've got the link on her um, not Facebook, her Instagram page, it's the wrong person Oh no! it's a different Anne Reichman I clicked on that and I thought, that doesn't look like her uh, it's Anne Adams yeah, so that was a bit of an odd one. Uh, so PTO, you need to pick that up. Um, so Anne's from Germany, as I said. Uh, a little bit about her. She's been 10th at the last three 70.3 World Championships. So consistent. I'm sure she'd like to start seeing that uh, go into sin- single-digit figures. She's also one of the one of her key sponsors that some of you guys might often see but not know what it is. Um, it's called HEP, H-E-P. They also sponsor Daniel Beckengard. They were sponsoring Keenlay. They sponsored Challenge Rote. It's a logo with like a gorilla on it and... Um, and what they are is basically a solar panel. They do massive solar panel farms, I think, in Germany and, and, and around the world. So if you've ever seen that logo with HEP, especially with Daniel Beckengard, and wonder what it is, that's what they're doing. Um, so good on them. Uh, in terms of Anne's pro racing, she has been racing pro since 2019. Um, so far this year, or well this year, she had finished off recently with uh, second place at Ironman Portugal. Um, she's been on the podium a couple of other times, 70.3 Switzerland. She finished first third, um, and she got first at Challenge Gdansk. Um, her PTO races, she got eighth at the US Open and 15th at the Asian Open, and those are the races where she basically scores her points. So she got um, points from the US Open, from the European Open, and for Ironman Portugal. So even though she did um, podium performances at other events, it's those top tier races where, where you're going to get your, your points because strength of field, prize money, etc. means that um, you basically just get a lot more points for them. Uh, a couple of other things about Anne. Um, her website is in German, but I did the old Google Translate. Oh, she's got genius. three younger siblings. She studied Latin and is enthusiastic about the stories of the Romans. Uh, she actually went to the University of Iowa in the States for a year and ran on the Iowa Hawkeyes college team. Uh, She's got fond memories of that. Um, Her favourite competition so far is the Algar Triathlon. And the Algar Triathlon, the good old Albert Boyce, uh, he absolutely raves about that event, says it's fantastic. Family atmosphere, very good organisation, and the best buffet finish area ever. Um, and I'm pretty sure Algar was the area that Fredino went and did that, um, you know, that's that solo sort of uh, oh. challenge or the try. What when they tried to do the fastest race? Yeah, with him and uh, Sand- Sanders went along as well. I still can't get over there race. That was if they'd had good weather, I'd love to know what he would have done. And remember, he well, fell over the on the run. He did. Yep. Um, solo. Mm. And he had that funky. And it was, wasn't like Sanders was him at any moment of the day. No. No, but he was solo the whole time. Mm. But Sanders did still put in a pretty bloody good Oh, yeah, Sanders was great, but, yeah. but 
come on. Yeah. We yeah. record solo. Yeah, no, it was impressive. Uh, her favorite training session is to do strength endurance intervals on the bike in the mountains. In the summer, I love playing beach volleyball, preferably with my husband, Joel. A beach volleyball mixed tournament is on our to-do list. All of my bikes have names. Um, Le Bleu is the name of her Argon 18 E slash 119 Tri. Jesus, that's a long name for a bike. Um, <laughs> and Sichero is the name for her racing bike. Okay. Uh, what else about Anne? Um, sponsors. She's currently sponsored by Hip um, Argon 18, which is her bike sponsor. Hoka One One for the run and Sailfish by the look of it for the swim, along with Windforce and Rise On. Rise On. So, Anne Reichman. Look out for her, ranked number 23 in the world currently. Um, weapon on the bike and the run, so you often won't see her, but check out the name. Uh, yeah, sort of a couple of good Ironman performances, so it might be on the way from her. Okay, well she is our pro oh, of the, of the week. week, and that heads into Coach's Corner. Corner. So you're thinking about winter challenges. Now, we're not in winter, no, but this is a global show, John. It so is. somewhere in the world, someone's listening to this going, shit, I can't be bothered because it's winter. Yeah. And it's so important that you train through winter because that consistency of training means that when you get to where we are, which is summer, and you set up, you go, oh, I feel good right now. Mm. And I've, as a coach, you know, I'm sort of going through this with a number of athletes. You know, typically they might shut things down a bit for sort of October or November, and now is the time you're sort of ramping it up. And sometimes, you know, not not all athletes are looking for that. You know, I don't want to be smashing it all the way through winter, but yeah. um, I need something to to motivate me. So, well, you've definitely the first challenge is one that would have to make them smash it through winter. Oh no 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 no, this one's pretty, oh pretty, no pretty, sorry pretty you've do- done it. I, I just doable. read the first word. Yeah. Okay, so let's break these down. So number one. Everesting in a month. Um, so a couple of people that I coach are doing Everesting in the next two weeks. Uh, they're doing virtual on Zwift. So good luck to them. Gee, That's painful, a painful, it? big day at the office. Yeah. Um, but Everesting in a month. So Everesting is 8,800 and I think it's 43. It's either 43 metres. Uh, 8,800 and something metres. Don't know what that is in feet, but it's, I don't know, about three feet to a metre, isn't there? So it must yep. be 16 I don't know, 25,000 feet or something like that. Um, So Everesting in a month, um, it's not that hard, but it still requires a couple of decent rides per week. So you're typically going to have to be riding three to four times a week and you need to be doing 2,200 metres of elevation each week. So if you're on Zwift or another platform, you basically need to do probably one big ride with with like a couple of really big hills, like going up Alp to Zwift on Zwift or doing some other you know, big mountain pass on Ruby or whatever it is. So yeah, the challenge is to do Everesting in a month, which basically means you need to be doing 2,200 metres of elevation a week so two or three hilly rides and one of them being of reasonable distance. That'll help set you up. You know, if you're thinking, pretty out of shape, I just need something to sort of give me a springboard into, you know, getting really ramping things up maybe in February. It'll be a great January challenge to do. Mm-hmm. Okay, challenge number two. Run every day for a month. Have you ever done this? No, I am intrigued to try it. Yeah, uh, it's often 30, 30 minutes people do it, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, 5K or 30 minutes is kind of the norm. Um, to, to, that's your minimum you want to be doing. So running every day for a month, 5K or 30 minutes. Uh, so that's one challenge. And what I would preface all of these saying is a lot of these you need to have some base fitness like the bike one, everything you probably go straight into it pretty much. If you, if you, not, if you had a month completely off, probably not. But the running one, you do obviously just need to be a little bit careful yeah. about that. Although you want to keep your intensity pretty light. Oh, yeah. just be cruising. But yeah, yeah to, uh, it'd be a cool achievement to run 30 minutes every day 
for the month of January. I won't do that in January, but I'm going to do that next year. Again, I want to get back to running next year. Mm. Not not hardcore athlete running, but I, I, I do see a marathon somewhere later next year, maybe early into 2025. Um, You've got to go do one of the big ones, haven't you? Oh, no, I want to do something like Motor Tap. Berlin or, or um, Valencia. We, we qualified for the year we bought this bloody house. Yeah. We um we qualified for New York that year and we were going to do it that year. Oh, yeah. And then we bought this house and I said, oh, we're not going to New York <laughs> this year. Um, and so, and we both qualified. So we were good to go. Yeah. Um, I probably couldn't, well, I wouldn't be able to qualify right now because I'm not running. But um, yeah, the qualification is not too hard for New York. Right. I remember at that time, I think it was about 124, 25. Oh, right. You only got to do a half. Yeah, you could do a half. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, so it wasn't and it wasn't ridiculous. I think I did yeah. one eighteen in Queenstown. Yeah. And I was well in. And yeah. Joe I think Joe had to do one thirty four for a half. Mm-hmm. Um and she got in within. So yeah, I would love to do a big city marathon one day in my life. Cool. You know. Would you? Uh yeah, I'd like to go and do one. Yeah. Um don't see it on the horizon. There's other things I'd like to do, but yeah, 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 but it would be something that would be cool to go and do. I guess it's okay, number three is a core challenge. Oh, and I probably need and would like to do this. So basically, similar to, to the sort of the everyday running challenge, do a core challenge, pick four or five exercises and maybe do 20 reps of each one and do it every day for a month. So you might go, I'm going to do press-ups, some sort of abs, you know, sit-ups, maybe an oblique and a plank or some, something. You want some back extensions as well. Yeah, so like four that's or five tiny. just covering just your core area, not really, um, you may be glute exercise and there would be quite handy as well but just covering your core and your glutes and do that every day and again you probably wouldn't want to go straight into that you'd maybe give yourself you know we're almost where are we now oh, it's only the 12th of december give yourself maybe a couple of weeks just to get in the groove with that it's maybe amazing do it as a january challenge in, in triathlon don't have strong cores mm. you mm. know and it's such an important part of being an athlete and so obvious when you see people run when they get tired oh. like, yeah and their hip movement and their yeah. posture and yeah it's not good that's Again, I'm going to have quite a few January challenges coming up here. <laughs> I'm going to run every day, I'm going to record every day. How's the diet going? The diet, well, that was November. No eating November. <laughs> so we're, wait, we're through that. Are you, have you fallen off the wagon? Yeah. Or oh, no, we're into December now. It's like bloody degustation December or something. Yeah, that's the problem of December, isn't it? <laughs> I'm, I was never going to try that. Yeah, because you just like, I've already been out like six times in December. I've had six, mm. probably seven nights out mm. eating dinner. Now mm. I'm pretty good. But one thing that's actually going off topic here, but I had my knee operation last week and my phone just sent me a stat. So I'm exercising every day, but I can only really do upper body strength work. Mm-hmm. I can't really do, the, the surgeon said don't do any anything with the lower body for the first week. So I got a, I got a notification from my phone saying I'm burning, you've, it said, you've had a dramatic decrease <laughs> in the amount of calories you're burning each day. So in the last five days, I've gone from burning 1,326 calories a day to 700 calories a day. Mm. So basically half my calories a day yeah. just because I'm not. But have you changed your eating at all? That's well, I have, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I just reduced, I reduced like, Instead of having three pieces of toast in the morning, I my afternoon snacks less mm. and a little bit less for dinner. But going out for dinner, I'm just like last night we went out for dinner, and normally I get it like like a burger, yeah, like, you know. Yeah. So I got the salmon, right? You nice. know, so I definitely making better no, choices. No, no eating November and diet worked pretty well. The flab grab test is, yeah. um, you know, there was so de- December's de- about putting it back on. <laughs> yeah, no, stabilizing and just trying to, yeah, splurge when I feel like splurging, but then the rest of the time be sensible. Okay, the next challenge. Next challenge, um, set a weekly distance challenge. This works really well. So for example, 150k a week on the bike or whatever. I've got one guy I coach that at the moment, he, you know, he's just 
he's just hanging in, he's not just hanging in there he's just on really low level stuff he's doing like four or five ex, um, workouts per week and he's just doing 40 miles per week of either biking or running which for a lot of Ironman athletes that's like nothing yep. so pick a distance um, which is realistic every week whether it be bike or run or a combo or something like that and go every week I'm doing 150k's or 100 miles or whatever it might be and it gives you that little bit of freedom it's like shit, if I miss a session you know with bloody all the stuff going on at this time of the year um at least i can crack, catch it up at the weekend so you might aim to maybe do 40ks on tuesday thursday and saturday and then you just sort of make it up on sunday do you know one thing i like to do with these types of challenges because i sometimes do this with people who are a bit lacking motivation is you put like a, a you know you've got to run uh let's say I did it in COVID for our running groups actually. It went really well. And I, there were three levels. There was like run 20Ks a week, which was kind of for our beginners, run 40, mm-hmm. run 60. Um, and But a really good thing to do around it is a reward system as well. Oh, yeah. So you can kind of go, okay, I want to run, let's say I want to run 60Ks a week for the month of December. And what you say is, okay, reward number one is if you do 50Ks a week, you get your C reward. Mm-hmm. Reward two is 55Ks, you get your B reward. Mm-hmm. And reward three is, you know, your ultimate reward. So it might be reward number one is yeah, yeah, you get, I don't know, a, a, a nice massage. Yep. Reward number two might be you get a cool top. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's scaling up and the reward might be a weekend away for your partner where you do some kind of training thing yep. as well. And I find that really motivating because sometimes with these, how far can you go or, or, or tick a box every day or um, how much distance can you get? If you get one bad day, people mm-hmm. can fall off the wagon. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the, the reward system works really well because it gives you a bit of an A, B and C. It allows mm-hmm. a bit of flexibility. And worst case scenario, it's better than not doing it because you fall off the wagon. You know, it's why yeah. I'm still going to go for my C. And that tends to work really well for motivation. And what I tend to find is once you put the rewards in, people really want the A reward. Mm. So it kind of gives them that next level of, of motivation as well. Yeah, so with a lot of these, you might want to give yourself, before you start, that teensy bit of wiggle room. So if you're doing a daily challenge, for some reason you can't get it in, maybe give yourself the out that if I miss 30 minutes one day, maybe I can do a double day where I do But the problem minutes. is then, then people make it the norm. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's that kind of, it's that dry July thing. It's that, you know, I'm not going to drink from the And then they brought out the stupid thing where you could buy credits. <laughs> oh, really? You know, which is great for fundraising, but it's like, <laughs> but it's, it's the whole point of it is you're trying to learn not to drink. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, and then what happens, people just buy shitloads of credits. <laughs> so, I did dry July, but I drank every day. <laughs> cost me the earth. So, you know, like I, I think sometimes, the, the part of that journey is being disciplined to it, mm. you know, mm. and, and, and like realistically 30 minutes of running. You should be able to do that. Yeah, you know, it's, it's bad planning otherwise. Yeah. I, admittedly, there are those real extreme moments, but mm. um, yeah. Number five, number five, and I'll sort of toe into this a little bit more um, straight afterwards, do a 400 metre swim time trial for four straight weeks. Uh, and just build a bit of a swim program around about, I love the 400 metre time trial, did it this morning, wouldn't say I loved it then, but giving yourself a few cracks at it, because it's quite a hard one to really master, um, so especially if you're a newer swimmer, so do a 400 every week, like with a 20 minute FTP test on the bike, if you did that four weeks in a row, it'd be quite hard work, oh. but a 400 metre swim, you know, for a lot of people that's going to be anywhere between six and eight minutes maybe maybe up nine to ten minutes if you're a little bit slower swimmer um <laughs> what 
my show notes, John's got whole jets. <laughs> <laughs> because John swims is coming early this week. Hold your hands, Steve. If you're Get riding your bike right now, put your hand on your helmet. Hold, Hold your, on your hands. hands. We'll go straight into this because I was, did do a 400 TT. 400 TT is a great test. So yes, hold on to your hats. Swim set's coming early. Put your hand on your helmet. Because we basically, the last two swim sessions we've done have been classics. So I thought I'll bring this in here. Great way to, has it just started raining? Oh no. Great way to test your your swimming. So this is the workout, the swim workout we did on Friday. The crux of it is you're doing 10 by 100, max effort with one minute rest between each 100. very, very hard set. You need to be really well warmed up. Um, so what we did, we did an 800 warm-up, 150 freestyle, 25 back, 25 breast, 6 times 100, descend 1 to 3, 4 to 6. So that's going faster between 1, 2 and 3. And then repeating that, going sort of steady, moderate, hard again. So you're sort of starting to get warmed up nicely. 100 metre easy drills, 3 times 100 uh, individual medley if you can do it, with the fly, the butterfly being really hard. So you, again, you're really pumping that heart rate up and getting ready for your main set. And then 10, one, 10 by 100, maximum average effort. If you've never done this before, it's bloody hard to get it right, um, but you're having a big rest each time. So you're trying to think, what can I sustain for 10 reps here? You do need to be in semi-okay swim shape to do this, but it's a great pacing exercise because if you, if you go out too fast, you're going to completely explode. The objective is try to have times that are relatively even all the way through. So benefits of doing this set, you're learning what is what is sustainable. And for example, if you go out and your first one's 140 for the first 100 and your last one is like 155, you've, re- you've got to do some thinking and go, 140 is not sustainable. What can I handle next yep. time? Um, teaches you how to swim really hard, but you have lot a good amount of rest so if you just did 10 100s really hard but you're only having 10 seconds rest that's not the objective here it's like i need to learn to sustain a really high effort and try to regroup in between each um, interval helps you a lot with pacing um, and this sort of flows on to to doing a 400 which i'll talk about in a moment Um, and yeah like an ftp ftp test on the bike uh, it's great for learning about what you're capable of. So newer swimmers often don't know what they can do for 400, they don't know how to pace it, don't know how hard they can push. Doing the set gives you a really good indication. So for example, when I did the set last week, my average time was probably about 117.5, I haven't worked out the exact average. My fastest was a 115, which was actually my last rep, and my slowest was a 118. So what I took take away from that is if I'm going to do a 400 meter time trial, which I did this morning, I can probably hold somewhere in that sort of range um, for 400 meters continuous when I can sustain it for 10 reps with one minute um, rest. So yeah, as I said, I think my average was about 117 to 118. This morning when I did a 400, I was 118 and a half average. So it gives you a good indicator of what you can do for a 400. Um, what you should be feeling when you get to about halfway in this the set of 10 100s is you should be wondering, shit, have I gone out a little bit too hard here and am I going to be able to hang on to that? So you want to make sure that you're not able to really ramp things up once you've done this test a few times. Um, try to stay in the moment, a bit like when you're doing any sort of test like this, a 20-minute TT, a 5K running race, anything like that. Stay in the moment and just take one rep at a time. You may sometimes just lose your concentration a bit and have a 
slower reps so you might be going and doing 140s and then like your sixth one you'd end up doing a 145 just because you didn't concentrate um, you did some crappy turns but you can pull it back together so just take one rep at a time and really hold on to your technique um, your form and your cadence in the last 25 especially in the back half really easy to get sloppy and you can sort of hemorrhage quite a bit of time when you get sloppy with your stroke uh, and you should be absolutely rooted at the end of the set I know I was on Friday uh, what time did you do? so yeah sitting 117 the fastest was 115 slowest was 118 which was ironic that my first rep was the slowest and my last rep was the fastest was that ironic or was that the plan? Uh, well, you want to em- completely empty the tank. Um, I take ages to warm up, um, and so yeah, I, th- well, I was just happy that I was able to pull pull one out right at the end. And really, the big focus on the last one was really getting my turns nailed and really trying to hang on to my catch in the last twenty five because I noticed in the sort of seven, eight, nine, I was starting to lose my technique, lose my catch a bit um, in the last twenty five. So that was my big focus, last one, good turns and hold on to your catch, and that actually. Improve things by about a second. Mm. What's your fastest ever? Uh, when I used to do, probably when I did these as a kid, I was probably sitting at, I don't know, under 110s pretty comfortably. Wow. So I'm a little bit off at the moment, but that's okay. What's the world record? Or the fastest guys go? Uh, world record for, for 400 this morning, I did a, four, a 515. I'm going to take, let's, let's have okay, a think. Have world a record, I'm going to say, is probably uh, about 340, I'd say, about 340. Four hundred meter world they record. Love, they love giving you the progression in time. So if we go here to Wikipedia, if we look at the, because f- I know our our female, um, we've got a really good female swimmer, Erica Fairweather, at the moment. What did you she, say? What did you say? I said about three forty on the dot. Three forty oh seven by Paul uh, Bieberman. And I'm going to say the females is probably Germany. probably about three fifty. Two. 355. 355. Well, they're saying long course here. Long, uh, long course. course, short course, yeah. A yeah, little bit of difference uh, there. An Australian lady, uh, Ariana. Ariana Titmus. Yeah. Yeah, she's yeah. a weapon. She did this Japan this year. Great. John Hancock, Mountain Snow, loves his swimming. Yeah. Uh, and there is some best of their generation swimmers around, especially the females. We've got this top What's female. interesting is that the, the men's... Has sat around for a long time. Mm. So Paul Bieberman won it in 2009, and before there was Thorpedo, 2002. So it's a, it's a record that's you know a lot of swim records are being smashed often, aren't they? Yeah. Um, but the the 400 and even the like cheapest creepers. Yeah, like the records. Yeah, the records. It's a, it's an old record, really, considering how fast swimming's mm. you know have, has gotten. Yeah. So session number two, which we did this morning, was a 400 meter time trial. It's another great benchmark test. If you're a medium to poor swimmer, it's probably not the best indicator of how good, it, how well your swimming is going, because it's a really hard test to get right to really push that very, very high intensity and hold on to um, your technique and your form and your, and your breathing. So if you're a, a moderate to a weaker swimmer, doing a 1k test is probably a better benchmark indicator of whether you are actually making progress with your swimming especially with relation to you know 70.3 Ironman and so on so if you're looking for a benchmark test 1k it's probably better but a 400 it's really manageable anywhere between for most of you guys 6 to 10 minutes so it's something you can repeat fairly regularly um, and it's good. a good test is to back it up with a 200 so you do a 400 time trial bit of easy swimming and then a 200 which is what we did this morning. So this morning's swim set we had a 600 warm up, 125 freestyle, 25 kicking on your side, repeating that through, two 100 metre IMs, 
three times 200 to send one to three just to start to elevate that heart rate get in the zone 425s fast 100 easy and then into a 400 meter time trial and then trying trying to recover 600 meters with a pool boy only really easy 100 easy im and then a 200 tt and then a warm down Probably in hindsight in that session we should have done a couple of hard 25s before we did the 20, the 200 because most of us did not perform optimally in that 200. Um, but how to have a really good 400 time trial? Getting a really good streamline off the wall and trying to maintain that streamline through the 400 is going to help your times and your speed. Plus it just feels so good when you push off the wall with a good streamline and you've just got great speed. Learning how to pace it. If you did the 10 100s earlier, then you give you a good indication on how to pace it. If you've got the form goggles or anything like that or using a watch, you can have a, a sneaky peek if you've got a watch as you're going through it just to see how well you're doing with the pacing. The first 100 is always going to be a little bit um, quicker just because you're fresher and you've got that big push off the first wall. Um, but the third 100 is the key where you've really got to lay it all down last 100 you try to bring your kick into play a bit more try to hold your posture try to hold your form your cadence your catch and bring it home with everything you've got so this morning um i said to people i said if if your 200 is slower pace average pace than your 400 you got to do it again you can't get out of the pool you got to do it again i didn't come through that mainly because my 200 was slower than my 400 (laughs) as well so i think my my 200 pace was 118 and a half my, so my 400 was 118 and a half and then I did the 200 and it was slow. It was, it was miserable. Was it mental? Part of it was mental. Yeah, just didn't get out of the blocks hard enough. Did the 400 really hard and just didn't have enough in the tank but probably should have done better. Okay. So I'm, I'm giving myself a wrap over the knuckles. for. Yep, I've got the, I'll, bring the, I'll bring the strap out. Yeah. That's about it. That's uh, swim set done early today. There we go. I, I held my hat the whole time. Good. I mean, he's got a hat held the whole time. Now, Bevan, do you want to pause for your five minutes of glory? No, no, no. I'm, I'm going for a wee, so you okay, can start. Okay, we'll pause. No, we'll pause. <laughs> Here we go. Pause right now. Okay, he's been for a pee. We're back. <laughs> okay, so Bevan's five minutes of glory. Uh, so new, new segment of the show. Yeah, yeah. Five, Bevan's five, five minutes, minutes of glory. So John just said, can you do something? And I said, yeah, I can mm-hmm. type something together. And one thing I'm, I'm – I think I talked a while ago about that kind of four types of effort, and I talked about how there's um, – Goal setting effort, mm-hmm. before the moment effort, in the moment effort, and then evolution effort. And just to recap, goal setting effort is the effort you put to set your goals. Before the moment effort is the effort you do before you do the thing to give yourself a higher chance of success in the thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that might be what I'm going to talk about right now is a mental prep process before you actually do your training. In the moment effort is when you're doing those 200s, mm-hmm. are you staying in that effort? You know, mm-hmm. as your mentally ability to stay uncomfortable while you're doing the thing that's uncomfortable. And then evolution effort is the effort it takes to evolve yourself to a much higher level. So that might be something like studying or, you know, deeper level kind of commitment and time to a next level self. Um, and to me, the, the, the one of the areas where a lot of people neglect is that before the moment effort. And I, I put a lot of time into this in my life right now because I've just learned that by doing before the moment effort really well, I just perform better in the moment. So... And, and I just think there's an area in our sport where we don't spend enough time, and that is in this before moment effort and a, a mental prep process. And what I'm talking about with a mental prep process is when you go out and train, how much time do you actually spend, mm-hmm. especially if it's a harder session, mm-hmm. doing some mental prep before you actually start moving? Mm-hmm. And I would say most probably people probably not a huge amount. Not a huge amount, no. No, you know, and especially so, if you're self-coached. Yeah, yeah, but you know, yeah. And now, now. If you go into a group environment, a group environment has the ability to get you to a place that you can't get to by yourself. Mm. So 
putting yourself in a group environment is a good thing. But even in group environments, I still believe you should be doing some mental prep beforehand. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and I think the reason is just, it's one of those things that we haven't really created a system and a process around. And so I, I thought I'd kind of just take you through an eight-step process around a mental mental prep process, basically. And the first thing we want to say is you've got to make a commitment to doing this. Mm-hmm. So it, it's kind of like if you go – like in your training week, how many A sessions do you have? Three to four. Okay, so mm. you might say when I do an A session, I'm always going to commit to doing a mental prep process. Mm. Okay, so, you know, like – that's, that's the thing. B's and C's, maybe not so important. Or you may even say, when I'm in a group, I kind of get there anyway. Mm-hmm. So, and, and I suppose what we're trying to say is, what's the objective? The objective is for your ability to perform to the level that you're meant to be performing in, in an A session. Mm. So how good is your ability to perform when you're doing that? Now, again, group environments help us do better because that compet- compet- competition, you know, people pushing us along. If it's a group environment with a coach, it's even better mm-hmm. because they'll have someone who's deliberately there to motivate you. But let's just say you're just doing this in the sessions that you're not. So your A sessions that you're doing by yourself. So the first thing you need to do is commit to the process. And I think one thing I want to put on top of this is a mental prep process doesn't take long. Mm. You know, like I even just think of my morning meeting that I have with myself. So my morning mental, my morning process is a process where I, I practically look at my day and then I look for the hard moments of my day and I predetermine what I'm going to do. I play a song in the background when I'm doing that and I'm always finished by the time I finish the song. Mm-hmm. So it's probably a three-minute process. Now, if you're going out to do a, a three-hour bike ride, mm-hmm. spend three minutes beforehand. And I always just think investment and use of time. You know, people go, oh, I haven't got time, I've got to get out on my bike. Mm. Well, if you get out on your bike and you have a crap position because you haven't done your mental prep. Wasted a couple of hours. Whereas if you spend three minutes doing a really good mental prep process, mm and you have a higher quality session, mm. the return on your time for your training is way higher. So first of all, commit to the process and realize it doesn't take long. Mm. Now, what's the process you want to go through? So the first step in the process is just to current, understand where you currently are. So um, actually a really good example. So I've started adding this process to my piano playing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been, I've been trying to be a much higher level self recently. And, and what I mean by this is this, Whatever I'm doing, how can I just be 100% focused on it? So I think I talked about how recently when I'm doing work now, I set timers on my watch. Did I talk about that? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, and, and I'm finding I'm just working way higher level, way much more productive. But it's also more fatiguing. So I kind of get to the – I normally play piano at about 3.34 in the afternoon. <clears throat> and I'm finding I get to that point in the day. And I'm kind of already fatigued from – just the work, the, the higher level of work that I'm doing. So yesterday I realized I'm doing a piano session. I had an hour. I set my objectives, but I also realized I was, I was pretty mentally fatigued going into mm-hmm. it. So I needed to understand how this could work against me within the session I had in front of me. So the first thing is, is almost just like a reflection on where am I right now? Mm-hmm. Now, sometimes you're going, I'm fired up. I'm ready to go. Mm. Great. But if you're not, what could work against you in achieving the objectives? So yesterday I was like, I'm feeling tired. I've had a pretty big day. I've done really good work today, but mm-hmm. I still want to get the best out of my piano playing time. So being tired could work against me. So I just need to be aware of how this could work against me. So the first step is commit. The second step is identify where you are currently right now. Step number three is to identify the defining moments in your workout. So what you're looking to do right there is, you know, you might be doing your 200 reps, your 400, mm-hmm. your 200. So you've got this big, long warm-up. You're going to be doing some good, hard training, getting ready for it. But the defining moment 
it's probably the last hundred meters or the first hundred meters. Yeah. You know, so yeah. there's probably two or three moments in the 400 and the 200 mm. that if you win those moments, mm. you're going to feel on top of the world. Now, upon reflection, you said that the 200 wasn't so good because why? Yeah. Probably didn't push off the wall hard enough. First 50 wasn't quick enough. You get to the 100 meter mark and go, oh, shit. Yep. Bit off the pace here. And then you lose your bit of your mental edge as well, don't you? Mm. So the defining moment, if you'd gone before that session, okay, I'm doing these sessions, okay, I know the 400, I've got to make sure I focus on my pull, that's the defining moment, bang, 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 and then I'm going to be a bit tired heading into the second set, so what are the defining moments? Mm. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to break down just the key moments that we need to win. And now in training sessions, there's not you don't need to win every moment of a training session. Mm. And a lot of parts of your training sessions you're going to win anyway. So what you're looking for is in this kind of process is where are those defining moments where I'm going to be most challenged or I need to have most awareness. So for John, it might have been and going into the 200. Mm -hmm. For me on the piano yesterday, it was um, when I was going to do a piece on a new work, a new song, and I find it really challenging. Mm -hmm. Um so that was my defining moment. The next thing is to plan your tools, strategy, and motivation. So tools, strategies, motivation, and mindsets. So what am I going to do in those defining moments? Mm. So like, what if you were to, before that session, what would have you done with strategies, motivation, uh, mindsets for that 200? Yeah, I think in, well, if a good thing to do if you're doing the solo it would maybe to have a few little notes written up. Like if you're putting something on the block at the end of the pool right. you know you've got your program there but then maybe a few bullet points to remind yourself probably more for the 200 this is what I'm going to focus on because it probably goes through your mind but just having that stuff written yeah. down it'll be part of that planning process and then it'll be reminding you just before you're starting as well so that's a great that's a great strategy isn't it it's like mm. okay have an awareness tool that's going to help me stay focused on my objective uh, it could be a motivational tool like affirmations okay I'm going to tell myself mm -hmm. I love a challenge and this is my moment to apply in a challenge it could be make it predetermining a mindset mm. so the mindset is I'm the kind of person who can deliver in my tough moments by using practical awesome tools so what you're trying to do is go here's the defining moment I'm heading this 200 meters mm. here's the strategies I'm going to use now interestingly yesterday I knew I was really fatigued so my strategy was actually one of them was to have a 10 minute nap before I got to part oh, so I did 40 oh, minutes of practice nap. Yeah, yeah. Well, I knew I was going to be tired, so I did forty yeah. minutes of like scales and bang, 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 and then I had a power nap. Yeah. And then I was like, okay, now what you're going to do is you're going to set your watch, and you're going to stay focused on this this kind of eight bars, and you're just going to play mm -hmm. them over and over again, mm -hmm. and you're going to tell yourself that you love the challenge of staying focused when you're tired. Mm -hmm. So I was predetermining. So you're thinking tools, strategies. Actually, interesting. I've been doing weights this week at the gym because I can't do much else exercise wise, and. My strategy yesterday morning was, and I can be a bit mentally weak with weights because mm. it's not a game that I'm very good at. Mm. So I went to that third person technique. So I was doing, I did 10 reps of 10 bench press and then uh, a minute plank hold and mm -hmm. I did it nonstop. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I did it at a weight where it was pretty challenging by the time I got to the fourth set. Yeah. And was, my strategy was, you're going to third person voice. So mm -hmm. the whole time it was like Bevan's going through this and I nailed it. Like, and nice. I just... I knew that was my defining moment, but I, it's not just, hey, you harden up. Mm. You're thinking strategies, tools, motivation, and mindsets. Mm -hmm. So you're predetermining those beforehand. The next thing is you want to visualize and get yourself emotionally ready. So when you're getting closer to the point where you're doing it, mm. you're almost trying to put yourself in a state where you're ready for it. So for me yesterday, actually, that nap was a really good thing to do because mm -hmm. I was giving myself, literally, sat on the couch in my office 
had a 10 minute nap and then visualize myself for the next moment. Mm-hmm. So you've put the planning in place and then it's a kind of visualizing the application of the plan and the state that you want to be in when you're in that place. Uh, the next step is to do it. So, or, or well, I've put here, see how you'll feel afterwards. Mm. I love this strategy. Mm. I love the strategy of how will I feel if I do the thing I want to do? So mm. how would you feel if you nailed that 200 metres? Yeah, you touched the wall, you're absolutely rooted, you've, yeah. got, you've been on the river, but you've been able to hold it together in the last 50. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, like and it's a me, bit like in a, in, a, in a race, you know, if you can be strong in the last 5K of an Ironman, or a half Ironman or whatever race or the last K of a short distance race. Uh, it's a pretty cool feeling. This is a strategy we use a lot for our beginner runners because they're very good at not turning up. Mm-hmm. So we teach them <laughs> early on. Well, because they're not very yeah. good at being consistent with exercise. Yeah. So one of our biggest jobs is to teach them to be consistent. Yeah. And one of the things we do in our mentoring sessions is we talk about after the few sessions, we say, hey, how did you feel when you walked into your car? Mm-hmm. Did you feel great? Okay, next time you think about it, remind yourself of that. And mm. it works so well for me. Now, that's at a real beginner level. But I love to use that in that I've got an intense session coming up. Oh, how am I going to feel when I'm on the ground huffing and puffing and dying? Mm. You know, and I, as much as that's really a hard place to go to, I love getting to that place. Mm. So that's step six. And then step seven is to actually apply, so to win the moment. Mm-hmm. So then you're trying to when you kind of get to that moment is apply all the planning that you've done and then ultimately step number eight would be to learn and reflect so because mm. you're not always going to get it right mm. but if I didn't get it right don't go to beat myself up go to what went wrong mm-hmm. now as I said at the start so the eight step process is commit to the process remind yourself it doesn't take long identify where you currently are within your mindset and things that could work against you step number three is to identify the defining moments in your workout then step number four is to plan your tools strategies motivation and mindsets step number five is to visualize and get ready for emotionally for your emotional state when you hit it or before you start uh then step number six is to remind yourself how you're going to feel afterwards step number seven is to apply and win the moment and then step number eight is to learn and reflect now this whole process can be done in two or three minutes Mm -hmm. And I guarantee if you become a legend in your A sessions, applying this process, you'll be a much higher version of yourself. Mm. Problem is, people don't do it. Yeah. And so my challenge to you, if you're listening to this and you go, you know what, that would definitely work. Well, kind of like John was saying with winter challenges, Mm. your challenge is in the next 10 times you do this A session, apply this process. Mm. And I guarantee you'll find you'll get to a higher level in your training. If you get to a higher level in training, you're going to get better results, aren't you? Yeah. If I was in a high level of training right now, as Bevan said, I'd have three or four sessions that I want to absolutely know. And I wouldn't necessarily have a Monday meeting like Bevan does, but I'd be looking, I'd be having a meeting with myself going, this is my, the layout of my week. I need to nail this session, this session, this session. Mm. You spend a bit of time visualizing those ones. You'd be doing a little bit before you start the session and I'd be doing a little bit more during, especially during the warm-up phase. Like for example, today, you know, when we had a little bit easier stuff just before starting the 400, I'd be going through what I want to look like when I'm going through that that test and how I want to sort of hold on to things. Likewise, if you do a 20-minute FTP test on the trainer, there's a little bit of downtime before you start. Yeah. And actually, rather than just spinning the legs out going, oh, I'm trying to get fresh here, it's actually visualizing what you want to be looking like and feeling like um, in the, the back half of the test. And what I would recommend is write down those steps. Mm. Like actually, you know, like it's interesting. I, I find when I work with people who are kind of mentoring, the best way that they tend to apply is when you give them a process to apply. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. So like you, you you know like it's like okay I want you to put this in your notes app or mm-hmm. if there's a photo in your thing on your phone and go through these steps. So you, a really cool idea is to go maybe you've got some training book or you've got somewhere in your garage before you jump on your bike or you go for your run and just literally have those eight steps written down mm-hmm. and just kind of walk through those steps and I guarantee you'll get to a much higher level in your training. And that's why you know this kind of my project of me being a higher level self I'm finding by applying tools like these I'm, like at my piano playing this year I've progressed faster in my piano playing than I ever have in the existence mm. of my piano playing and I've always put the same time into my piano playing but mm-hmm. I'm just being more direct and focused with my time so this is Bevan's 5 Minutes of Glory 10 Minutes of Glory yeah sorry, <laughs> sorry yeah. it turns out Joe says the same thing <laughs> <laughs> okay let's go to Winger of the Week I've got to berate all of you people uh, listeners for not doing enough training this last week because I managed to get to 93rd in the rankings and I haven't been doing that okay, much. Okay, so, so you, so you haven't game. done much, but you want to tell them off for not doing much. Yeah. <laughs> okay, good. So, Paul, Julia Spark, I'm Pop coming kettle. for you. You're one minute in front of me. I did nine hours and 58 minutes of moving time. Uh, so let's pick a pick a number, Blevin. What's the date? Today's the 12th. Oh, it's the 12th of the 12th of the 12th. Oh, there we go. It's Dave Dwan's it's birthday. There's the 12th of the 12th. Yeah, of the 23rd. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a few but years Dave ago. Dwan's. Dave Dwan's birthday. And it's a, no, it's a notable one. Um, Is he 70? I'm assuming he's 70. So we'll go or for... Or 23. Yeah, we'll go for number 12. Roman Garcin, uh, he did 19. That's a decent amount of training. 19 hours and 47 yeah, minutes of training from 12 activities, 3 hours 45 swimming, 9 hours 40 on the bike, and 6 hours 20 minutes of running. He is from... He's from I thought, Spain. I thought you said your internet's supposed to be way faster. Yeah, it's meant to be, yeah. But yeah he's a pro athlete. I think we've had maybe had him before from Arona in Spain. Yeah, I think we've had him before, yeah. And he, yeah, he's a member of multiple, uh, how many, hundreds of uh, no, groups and stuff. So good on him. Uh, he's had a decent month of training. He took a week off in um, sort of end of October. He's uh, got a lot of followers on, on Strava. He's got 28,000 followers. Yeah, his longest bike ride he's ever done is dun, 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 wait for it far out 409.5 kilometers that's a doozy of a ride but puts you to shame john Newsom. it does well i do want to beat that i've pulled out of my my, my challenge that i was going to do this year but uh hopefully next year i will be beating that um, are you going to do it yeah i'm definitely doing it get the family outside yeah uh very happy very happy birthday morning solo ride and a little bit more 409 kilometers, moving time 11 hours and 44 minutes. And he did that in, it looks like Corsica to me, or the island above Corsica, one of those ones down there. Good on him. That's pretty impressive. So, Roman Garcin, you are our winner of the week. week. Okay, we have got a couple of little questions and answers here. So, first of all, uh, let's go to the quiz first. Uh, first female winner of the Hawaii Ironman in what year? 81. I reckon it might be 80, but it could be 81. And I reckon... It Would it, but is it just... Well, wouldn't a woman be the first female to finish it? Yeah, and she was the only finisher. We're calling her the winner. We're not yeah, gonna, yeah, no, totally, totally, I've got to yeah. do a section. I keep saying this to some of the guys. I've got to do a section on backhanded compliments and how to take them because I'm, I'm pretty good at giving backhanded oh, really? compliments. Uh, <laughs> Give us an example. Um, oh, <laughs> so Tom had a really good race. A run, one of his runs at the weekend was yep. really good. Um, he finished in 10th place. So I've got some pictures of him. He was... In a group of ten, he yep. was he was got tenth out of ten. So <laughs> yeah, so it's kind of like you did really well, but you were last out of that group. Oh, you told him that? <laughs> no, I didn't say that. Oh. I was I was saying that saying that to um, some of the guys last night. 
Yeah, I'm pretty good at the old backhand compliment. But, I once but told, people I, need to take them the right way. I, like, once, I once called one of my girlfriends beefy. Right. That didn't go down well. That's not a backhand compliment. That's just an insult. <laughs> but what I meant was she was muscular. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because she was a... She was a so Tyler's mum, my daughter's mother, she was she was very athletic, mm. explosive. Her standing jump, she was yeah. one of those all fast switch people. Yeah. So fast switch people just grow muscle. You, mm-hmm. you give them one rep, the muscle expands. Yeah. And uh, and she, like I remember, we were at high school, she, we were doing a standing jump, and one of the PE teachers got all the other PE teachers to come watch her do a standing jump, and so she was she, she, she wasn't she was. <laughs> <laughs> She's beefy. So I go, I love how you're beefy. <laughs> it oh, went down like a pack of sun. Yeah. <laughs> I was in trouble for months after that one. So yeah, so that was a backhand compliment. Yeah, so yeah. maybe I'll, I'll save that for another day. Uh, so yeah, in terms of who was first female to finish and win. I don't even know who I am. Collins? No. No, that's female. Yeah. I think it's Lynn Lemire. That name rings a bell. It's Lynn something. And I'm going for nine. Uh, you might be right, 81. I'm going for 80, but it might be 81. Well, 78 was the first, wasn't it? 78 was the first. And I think there would have been a female after three years, surely. No, we were both wrong. Okay. I got the name right. Lynn Lemire won in 1979, so the oh, second go. year. Okay, there you go. 12 hours and 55 minutes. That's a decent time. Yeah, they did it in January back then. So it was in January and February all the way until uh, 1982. Was that when they did the double? No, that was in the eighties. So eighty-two was the eighties. She's that's all the record. Yeah, sorry, I wasn't really listening. I was clicking. Uh, she did one hour sixteen swim, six hours thirty on the bike, and five hours and that's ten minutes. Really decent for those days. Yeah, swim. Well, did they, they have the whole the whole field? Uh, they've got the well, well, they've got eleven men and one female. So and what were the men doing? The men did eleven hours fifteen. The top guy. Yeah, so she finished fifth overall. That's pretty decent, you know, considering where the sport was at. Hmm. Ken Cowman Shirk was seventh place. Nice. Those guys are pioneers, aren't they? Some of those guys were doing 21 hours, 21 hours and 41 minutes. Because if you'd asked me, I would have said somewhere around 15 to 16 hours, first female, first time, Mm. you know, so. So that was question number one. Question number two, which I'm sure I've done before, is when was the first Ironman in the UK? And it was in 2005. In at Sherbourne Castle, good old Brian Rhodes took out the win with an eight time of eight hours and forty two minutes. Uh, no, don't think so. Huh. No. Uh, so yeah, two thousand five Ironman UK, uh, and now we don't have any Ironmans in the UK. None at uh, all. None at all. Don't wow. think. Oh no, sorry, there's Wales. That's part of UK. There's no Ironmans in England or Scotland. Branded Ironman races, plenty of Iron Distance races. But all you've got is Wales and pretty sure Ironman Island. What he's doing? Happy to be corrected if I'm wrong. What's he doing with his life now? Uh, I'll go and knock on his door next time over at my in-laws' place. He's oh, across the road. Oh, is he having, oh, because he, he lived out of town, didn't he? No, no he's in, he's in uh, Mount Pleasant Road on Clementine Lane. I wonder what he does. Oh, he's, he's a coach. There you go. Uh, and I think he does a few other bits and bobs. Because he did get into real estate for a bit there, I mm-hmm. saw on, on, on the on the gram. Mm-hmm. Um, there we go. Okay, then. Uh, they're very good. I wouldn't have got that. Would have you got that? Uh, yeah, I think I probably would have. Shelburne. Yeah, I knew it was... It was uh, big at the moment, wasn't it, when it came out? Yeah, no, they had some good ones. And they had a Bolton that stayed in Sherbourne Castle for a number of years and then moved up to Bolton. Yeah, I remember Bolton. Yeah. Uh, and then Bolton last year was the last one. And it's going to a 70.3 next year. Michael Parrot. 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 Uh, it's just sent through about Quantana Roo. We had a few people talk about this. Just done. Uh, Quantana Roo was the first company to produce triathlon-specific wetsuits and the first mm. company to produce triathlon-specific bike. 
Dan Emfield from Slow Twitch actually started Quantum Naru and went on to create Slow Twitch website. I know you I did, it. Yeah, no, I did know that. And if you want to listen to, we have done a Legends interview with Dan Enfield. Definitely worthwhile going back and listening because he was around from day dot. Um, I did know that Quantana Roo made wetsuits. Wasn't 100% sure they were the first one. Didn't know they were the first one to kind of do triathlon specific bikes. So good information. Still uh, still going strong. Okay, question. What's the origin of the name? Uh, it's a place. Is it? Yeah, Quantana Roo is a place. Okay, there I, you go. I, I'm assuming that's where it came from. Yeah, there you go. Well, that, no, that makes a lot of sense. I'm pretty sure. Okay, Jombo, uh, let's go into, thank you to our patrons. Uh, I'm just going to say, you, you've got me Okay, Mark Wiltshire, the unpredictable. We've yeah. got Andrew Maud, and he's too smooth. And we've got Darren Double O Jones. Thanks, guys, for being awesome patrons. Quantana Roo is a place in Mexico. That's what I thought. Uh, and it's actually sort of the area around um, Cancun. It looks beautiful. Oh, Cancun, is, they've had a, they're the World Triathlon champs there one year. Um, they've had quite a bit of triathlon action down there. So there we go. Oh, it does look nice. It does look nice? Yeah. Beautiful oh. beaches. Oh. <laughs> Cancun. I need to be on a beach right now. It's looking like it's going to be rainy here today, John. Yeah. Okay, then uh, if you do want to become a patron, go to www.imtalk.me. Uh, it's a way you can support us doing the show each week. We really appreciate the people who are patrons. And so, yeah, so go to www.imtalk.me. You get a cool nickname. You support us. If you enjoy the show, it brings value to your triathlon week. By all means, jump on and be a patron. If you want some coaching, well, Coach John Houston, you can check out his Epic Camps as well at epiccamp.com. Anything I do, bevanjamesisles.com. Uh, content such as Age Group of the Week, cool websites, any other feedback, imtalkpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can just go to our website. Jombo, you goss. Um, so... The list of things that my children can beat me at is starting oh, to grow. No. Obviously, my son's quicker runner than me now. Is he a better triathlete yet? What's uh, happening? It kind of, it would, yeah. It would be when I'm fit. At the moment, he probably is. When I'm fit, I think I've probably still just got him, but it'd be pretty close. Okay. Um, but we went kart racing at the weekend. Oh, nice. Was it? So you didn't want to do the throwing the axe? So you went kart racing? Yes. Yeah, and um, down at the down in Sydney there. Yep, yep. What do you pay for that? Uh, Seventy bucks for two rounds of ten minutes. You don't want to do longer than ten minutes. Oh really? Uh, that's how long a session is. But that's like you're getting to the end of ten minutes. Like, whoa, I'm over this. Oh really? Yeah, it's it's hard work. <laughs> if, oh, really? if you keep a consistent pace up, it's really hard because all turns. It's not like straight. So yeah. like your straight's probably twenty five meters long or something. Yes, like you remember Cry TV? Cry TV was a Christchurch's music mm. TV back when we were teenagers. Mm. And uh, Jason Farfoy, who was, mm-hmm. you probably know, he's one of, he was a TV personality in New Zealand. Uh, I knew his brother really well. So we got to go make the TV ad for it. So we spent like all day there mm. playing on it. It was great fun. Oh, it's hard work. So first round, I'm, I'm doing okay. I'm not great at these things. I haven't done that much yeah. of it before. Um, but Thomas was point. They, they only give you your fastest lap time. They do okay. give you averages and things like that as well. Did you pass people? Uh, it's really hard to pass, and there was only four or five of us okay. in there. Um, so he was point zero one of a second oh, quicker. Oh, it's enough. It's enough. It's enough to hurt. And the second time round, he crushed me. Uh, so my, my daughter was. Uh, I gave her. A, I said two second handicap. If you're within two seconds, yeah. you've won on handicap, and she crushed me as well. Did she? How close was she? Was she? Uh, she she improved a lot. She's um she was probably only a second slower than me on so the second. So how, how far are you going? How many laps are you doing in ten minutes? Uh, twenty five seconds for a lap. So oh, so you're doing quite a few laps. You're doing okay. quite a few laps. Oh, wow. Yeah. 
it's hard work. I've got you bruises on my back and stuff oh, like really? that. Was it fun? Did you enjoy it? Yeah, it's good. But I, I said to Belinda when she booked it, I said, just book me for one session because yep. the kids had vouchers for two. I said, well, I'll be fine with one. She booked me for two. I was like, the second time we're getting it, I was like, <laughs> but over this, <laughs> oh, I'm going to take a beating here. And I did. I, was, I didn't do my preparation, you see. I didn't do my mental preparation. See? Didn't do my visualization. Did you ask them the trick? I always, I always want to do anything. I asked the guru, say, what's the trick? Because well, there's normally two or three things that there they is, know, you know. Yeah. And I was asking Thomas that because he's an F1 geek yep. and he wouldn't give me anything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it's, it is hard work, though. So, so it, was it done in a race like simulation or was it very much just trying to get No, you just get in and try, try to throw the fastest lap. Yeah. yeah, you're just doing 10 minutes just lapping it out. I remember because I did that, the hot lap thing at, down at Rapuna. That would be good. It was. But, mate, those drivers are impressive mm. because mm. I, I, yeah. I normally pick things up pretty quickly, mm. you know, like especially athletic things. Mm. Mate, I, I was hopeless, mm. you know, and just – and you're thinking, you know, like because like, the thing about it was you don't really corner until you're kind of right at the corner. You don't yeah. you don't ease into the corner. You just fo- – I remember going down the straight and what they do is they – so you've got cones that tell you when to break and turn. Oh, yeah. And so what you, you go down the straight. And there's a cone, they say, drive to the cone. Well, the cone's right on the corner. Yeah. And you're going like 200K or something, or like 250K or something, shit like that. And it's going, keep your foot down. Keep your foot down, keep your foot down. And then they say, hit the cone. And then you just basically, then they have another cone on the opposite side of the corner. Yeah. And you turn towards that. Mm. You break your turn, you put your foot down. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what you do. Well, mate, Mm. I think I did like let's say I did five laps. Yeah, I probably got a quarter of a lap done well. Yeah, you know the rest of it was, and then you're thinking these guys are doing it with 30 other cars around them. Mm. You know, like impressive stuff. It was a buzz, and there's consequences if you cock oh, it mate. up. You know, because <laughs> the guy I was with, I, luckily I knew him because he let me do a few more because it's quite expensive, and he let me do a few more laps, and he actually took me through as a driver doing it. Yeah. And it was pretty impressive. Yeah, you know, like they just they, you know, there's they waste no acceleration if you know what I mean. There's mm-hmm. no there's the minimal stoppage of speed and maximum time at their max speed. And it was, mm. yeah, it was pretty impressive stuff. So, Bevan, you got a big bandage on your knee there. Yeah, so I had my operation last. What day was that? Last Thursday. Thursday. Mm-hmm. Um, ama- it's amazing, John. First of all, I, I've always talked about how you I love do, operations. You do like operations. I, I delivered again. <laughs> yeah, you got the laughing gas. Got the, and, but I, was, I went in at 6.30 at night. They, I had to be there at 11 in the morning. It was quite yeah. funny, actually, because I was in a private. So you get your own room, you get TV, Sky and stuff. And I arrived at 11, and I knew I was at 5. So yeah. I said, you're going to be at 5. And I said, what am I doing? I said, just relax. So we watched. It was quite nice, because I never just do anything, nothing. Yeah. So we watched the movies. And then didn't actually end up going into the theatre till 6.30. Uh, they give me the drugs. Yeah. I was awake at eight. Yeah, yeah, and and so the knee operation I've had is called a patellar tendinopathy, mm-hmm. and fascinatingly, what they do is they. So I've got a little. I had inflammation with the. It's actually kind of a ligament. It's called a tendon, but it's a ligament because mm. it goes into the bone. But um, they just chop that bit out. Mm. So it just took a little, like almost like a little triangle wedge mm. of where it connected to the bone. So either side of the tendon, there's still bits that are left, mm-hmm. and they just kind of chop this little bit out, mm-hmm. and it grows back over. Mm-hmm. So, and he said, what's interesting, he had a guy who'd done that operation like five years ago, mm. and he actually cut it out again to use it as a graft for another area. Mm. Yeah, so um, so I got the operation, I ate up a storm. Yeah. You know, come out of the operation, want something to eat? Oh, yeah, want something to eat. Yeah. Keep good coming, food. keep it coming. You pay that private, but they give yeah. you the food. It yeah. was good. It was delicious. Big breakfast. They give you a list of what you want, ticked everything. Yeah. Loved it. Um, next morning, 
Oh, because I, I was trying to use the crutches to go for a pee at night, which mm-hmm. is really hopeless. Mm-hmm. And then the old surgeon comes in and he's like, oh, mate, you're right. You can walk on it. Yeah. That's what it is. Not oh, so you're overnighting there. Yeah, overnight because I was yeah. the last op. Yeah. 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 Um, walking the next day, mm-hmm. haven't taken any drugs. Mm-hmm. Feeling great. So nice. I'm not doing any any impact or anything. I'm, well, mm-hmm. I'm only just walking. He said, don't do any anything for a week. And see, so you can do some light cycling and then start to loading again after that. Um but mate, positive as I'm so, I'm so happy because it's been such a burden of an injury mm. and it's been one of those injuries that's not bad but it's just bad enough. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, like it's not the end of the world injury but I can't run. Mm. So, um, yeah, so if you've got ten, patellar tendon problems and they're not coming right after a year, go see your surgeon. Yeah. Yeah, so so next year's my year, mate. I'm going to win the Berlin Marathon. There you go. Can Kipchoge. I get some of those shoes? Kipchoge's history. They'll take... The funny thing is, because I was thinking... You know, I wouldn't mind doing it. Now, I've always wanted to do the motor tap. So I think mm. that would be the one I'd aim to do in 2025. Now, that's not a fast marathon. Mm. But back in the day, a sub three hour marathon would be a big disappointment for me. <laughs> big disappointment. Yeah. You know, like if I couldn't do a pull off, even just any day of the week, yeah. if I couldn't pull off a sub, there'd be. <laughs> I think my ego's going to take a hit. Yeah. Because I'm fit. But yeah. it's been really interesting in the last year and a half because if you're on your Apple, oh shit, on your Apple, sorry, it's bang my mic there. On your Apple, you've got your VO2 max. So mm-hmm. my VO2 max, it's been really interesting because I exercise a lot even though I haven't been running. So I go here to my VO2. Um, wait a second, let me just go here. Fitness, resting heart rate's still low, but my... Run load makes a big difference. Oh, mate, like mm. where is it? Cardio recovery. I'm just looking out that window right now and it's uh, raining and my son's out there at a group training session. Oh, good, good stuff, character. <laughs> so my cardio fitness was always above 60 mm-hmm. previous to the last year. And um, which for my age, is cardio fitness on the, based on the Apple Watches, uh, cardio fitness in your 20s, if you're above 60, you're a legend. Mm-hmm. So at 45, I was like a legend. Mm-hmm. Well, I've been exercising... Average, I probably average 12 hours a week of exercise a week, mm-hmm. you know, probably 12, 15. No, probably 12. Um, since I haven't been running, but my mm-hmm. cardio fitness has gone down from 60 to 46. Yeah, nothing. Yeah. yeah. Your history. Yeah, so my cardio fitness is definitely just that mm-hmm. dropping. And I wasn't running a huge amount. Mm-hmm. I was probably running two, three times a week. Mm-hmm. Um, but just that lack of impact in my week mm-hmm. has had a huge difference on my cardio fitness, which is quite fascinating, isn't it? It is. So, so will I do a sub three? Not probably not motor tap, but oh, definitely not. No, <laughs> yeah, yeah, be sweet with a sub three. I need to do some rebuilding. Come and pace me through an Ironman, get me through a sub three Ironman. I'm gonna have run. to do a lot of like I'm thinking six months to rebuild. Mm. Yeah, like I'm gonna start walk run. Mm. It's been a long time before I try to do any fast mm. running. Just get that low. I probably might do a thirty day challenge. Yeah, yeah. There we go. Anyway, John, uh, let's wrap it up. I'm Russ. I'm a nope. Train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha. kaha.